Working Mommy Manual listeners. Good morning. Or good afternoon. Or good evening. It could be the middle of the night. I hope it I hope it is. I, <laughs> I hope you're binging us right now. <laughs> we hope you're addicted to our podcast. It's 3 a.m. and you can't stop listening. And then you need to tell a friend. Yes. Actually, Kat. So that's Kat Wilson. And that's Nicole Corning. And we are the Working Mommy Manual Podcast queens. Yes, we are. And this is the and so just to confirm how queeny we are. You're going to talk about our podcast statistics? Yes. So we officially, I pulled up our statistics this morning. We're in all 50 states. Yes. And then we're actually in 30 countries also. And we've moved to the continent of Africa. Yes, we have. We're there. We're there. Yes, we are. Yes. If you're Russian bots in Africa, (laughs) hello there. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. So thank you for liking and sharing and telling people and 50 states. Well, and I'll Girl. tell you, in Asia, we had like 82 downloads in Asia. So, Oh, those hackers in Asia are getting busy. <laughs> they are getting... Do you think during COVID lockdown, the women in like Shiswan province was like, oh, we are so exhausted and bored. Like we're we're so bored. We'll even listen to this dumbass podcast. No, but you know, we... Did we record during COVID? I can't remember. It was like two years. So yes, we were we recorded. We did, we did record during COVID. We did. How uh, much champagne have you had already? I know. <laughs> Not <laughs> enough. I actually was texting the wrong group thread this morning. I when I'm in my car, I just do voice texting. And so I named my girlfriends, but it pulled in a different Becky. And so when I looked back, when I saw the text go through, it had a different spelling because she spells her name with two E's. I'm like, I'm already screwing up this morning. So I was like, I I should be drinking champagne. I started off this morning. I'm like, I'm going to Pilates. I'm not drinking because I've done all my drinking last weekend and Friday and Saturday. And then you walk in with our special guest star and a bottle of Vouve. And I'm like, now all that's out the window because it's Vouve. It's Vouve, bitches. Right. So do you want to introduce our amazing guest? We love when we bring guests on with us because they get to share their their experience and their story with us. And we think it's very important. And we get to ask all kinds of invasive, awful questions (laughs) and put people on the spot. We love it so much. We do. It's fun. So Brooke Jess, welcome. Hi, everybody. To the Working Mommy's Manual podcast. So Brooke is here. She's a mom that Kat has known for a long time. Well, just a woman who Kat has known for a long time. And Brooke is here because we're going to ask her all kinds of awkward and invasive questions about her experience adopting. Right. Because while this is the Working Mommy Manual podcast, there are all kinds of ways to be a family and to be a mom to be, you know, Joan Pasquale, listen, and they are a gay couple, but they are... You know, they have a lot of mom stuff. We have, we just talked about before we jumped on how there are a lot of men, mm-hmm. husbands who listen, including mm-hmm. our husbands. Wouldn't it be awful if our husbands didn't listen? I know. Dale, actually, he's so good at sharing the podcast all the time. And I'm Aww. like, thank you. And I did not call you a fucker in this one. <laughs> Dale, she never does it unless I make her. That's the God's honest truth. That is the God's honest truth. Peter, I only say it when Kathleen makes me call you a fucker. <laughs> So, um, so, you know, it's not, you know, I I guess what we want to talk about is becoming a mom isn't, isn't like in the movies, right? It's not like, you know, a John Hughes movie where you just, you know, you get married and you get, you know, you try to have a baby and there's like hilarity that ensues and then you get pregnant and then, you know, the baby's there nine months later and, you you know, the the husbands are struggling to put the diapers on, right? Like that's not the way. In fact, I would say it was very interesting 
for me when I started to try to become pregnant, my friends did, where I was like, so I spent almost all of my life trying to not get knocked up. Mm -hmm. Now I found out it's actually kind of fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? What is that? Right. It was, I was like mind blown. Now Mm -hmm. I was, I had no problem getting pregnant. Um, I, you know, I had babies, you know, normal kind of typical pregnancies, healthy births. So this is, I'm going to be asking lots of questions, Brooke. So strap in, girl. I'm here to answer anything. So (laughs) yeah, it's not, it's not always easy. And, you know, life is not always about, you know, what you think it's going to be and white picket fences and, you know, sunshine and rainbows and everything else. You know, everybody's kind of thrown a a different set of, uh, a different set of cards and, and you just, you know, you got to play the hand that you're dealt. Um, it may not necessarily be what you expected. So, but don't you find a lot of times when something doesn't happen the way you want to, there's some kind of challenge or some kind of pivot that if you work through that, it becomes like the best thing in your life or like the biggest blessing or the, or the most fantastic thing. 100%. Right. 100%. It's, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, if you will, like to share, you know, who you are, what your deal is. Sure. You're a financial gal like us. I, uh, yes. (laughs) Smart girls. Cheers. 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 Just to girls in finance, so women in I finance. Was, I was in <laughs> finance as well. Um, I'm out of it right now just because I'm staying home with my daughter. But, you know, I'm um, certified. Before you go back, let me and Kathleen know yes. so we can hire you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will tell you. Thank you. I will okay. tell you. Okay. But yes, I, I have my CFP and and I was working for a wealth management Certified company. financial planner. Yep. It's really a very difficult designation. And I'm not saying that because I have it too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it is hard. Yes. So yes, I was in the, you know, working full time, doing all that stuff. Um, I got married later in life. Um, my husband and I actually didn't even get married till I was 36. Uh, neither one of us had been married before, just hadn't found that person, our persons. So yeah, I was kind of, as far as, you know, getting married and having children, I was a little bit later on, you know, definitely as far as having children, I was past my prime, first getting married at 36 years old. Um, But, you know, we never really thought about it. I never thought like, eh, having kids is going to be an issue. Um, You know, truthfully, my husband, he wasn't even sure he wanted kids. Of course, he didn't tell me that when we were dating. (laughs) Right. Okay. And this is where I call your husband a fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Brooke's husband. (laughs) So, um you know, just, just thinking back on all of that. But, you know, when you're ready to start a family, you know, I think most people don't think it's going to be an issue. Was I older? Yes. We didn't really start to have a family or start thinking to have a family till I was about 40. Um, you know, I, I went through a period of time where, um, I actually had some health issues. I had, uh, I had several tumors in my uterus. Um, oh. called Wait, fib- around 40 or uh, before that? It was, yes, it was around 40. Oh, boy. So, you know, I started, um, I don't know how much detail we want to get into. You but- girl, bring it. We, get, <laughs> we keep it real. I called your husband a fucker. So I set the bar real low. So Basically, go- my cycles just started changing. I started having, you know, very, very heavy periods, um, very long periods, and it was just unusual for me. So... Went and, you know, saw the doctor, was having a lot of pain, a lot of cramping. Long 
story short, I was diagnosed with fibroids, which is actually, mm-hmm. I learned to find out, really common in women. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be genetic. A lot of people don't have any issues with them. They're, they're basically benign tumors. Um, that grow and a lot of people don't have any issues with them. Some people do have issues, um, you know, with getting pregnant. But uh, in 2015, I had them removed. Um, I went to a surgeon who actually happened to be a fertility specialist um, here in Scottsdale, Arizona as well. And she removed them. They were expecting, I think, to remove like 10 or 11. Which is a lot. It's, it's like a lot, right? They, like what diameter? Um, they? They're anywhere from teeny tiny to six millimeter, eight millimeter. So, you know, not insignificant. Um, no. They can grow to be. And it's typically when you have excess estrogen is oh. kind of what causes them. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, went, went, had them removed. Um, by the time they were removed, I actually had 26 of them removed. Wow. And I'm a pretty petite person. Mm-hmm. Um, so my uterus... I'm going ba- to second that. So when you <laughs> came in and you were like, oh, I didn't, I wasn't worried about getting pregnant. I wanted to give the listeners a visual because like, I, you know, on face value, you're like, you're like very fit, you're very healthy looking, you have like, you know, like this gorgeous thick hair, uh-huh. like, you, you know, you look like <laughs> you, you, beauty. Like you, you, well, but and not just even beautiful, but you look like strong and healthy mm-hmm. now. So I would have thought like at 40 when, or 36, like when you got married or 40, when you thought about maybe having kids, if you look this good now, but you know, at that time you probably looked as great and you were like, eh. I, I, you know, I'm in good shape. What's our, so even fibroids, you're like, okay, we'll get them out. Right. And then it'll be fine and we can go along our way and Absolutely. Have Absolutely. You know, I was healthy. I, I was taking good care of myself. I was exercising. I you was are eating beautiful, right. by the way. I didn't mean <laughs> to downplay you. that. That's <laughs> not what I meant. I just like, <laughs> I'm very focused on being strong rather yeah. like, and anyway, so keep going. Sorry. So I was really healthy, you know, and, and back then, haha, you know, there was no talk of, freezing your eggs or, you know, you can't get pregnant at 40 or any of that stuff. I mean, this is, you know, this is more recently come now, about. I don't think you actually, I, and I should have researched this before, I don't think until recently you could freeze your eggs. And the reason I think this is because when I was 30, my niece was 27 and she got breast cancer and she had been married a year and they couldn't freeze her eggs for some reason. Okay. And there was, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, they couldn't freeze her egg. Maybe, I don't know. But it now, you you know, women are just like, hey, I turned 33. I haven't found the right person. I'm just going to freeze my eggs. Which Absolutely. I think it, I'm like, fucking do it. Do yeah. it. Just, because it, what what's the worst that can happen? Then you like, you know, have a baby on your own with someone that you, and then you don't use the eggs. Okay. But there's just a little insurance policy and it stops making women feel pressured. I love that you waited to get married. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women, and I've we've all seen it with our friends where they're like, oh, well, everyone's getting married and everyone's getting pregnant. And so, Well, especially, I'm originally from the Midwest. My parents were, you know, born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. And so most of my paternal family is there. And so one of my cousins, actually on the maternal side, she was telling my mom, like, Kathleen is waiting so long to have kids because we, we had our first one at 30. Well, 
Brooklyn at 30. And um, we, and I, she's already like a grandma. Like all, a lot, I have a lot of friends that are already grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, you know. Which is like, you know what? If that's your choice right. and that is makes you happy and works for you. Right. Go, go at it. So yes. even, but even though this is a Working Mommy Manual podcast, it's, it like, it's so important for women to do what they need to do for themselves and not what society dictates they're supposed to do. Right. Absolutely. So you have to um, wait and, until it's your until you're ready. Right. Yeah. Until so I love that you, you waited till you're 36 and then I love that you were like, oh, 40, got these fibroids, you know, yeah. get them taken out and now let's talk about having a family. Right, right. You know, I was focused on my career and, you know, I had my own house. I paid all my own bills, you know, all of that. And I Did didn't... Did you go on awesome trips? I went on awesome trips, oh. you know, and I didn't Did you go to settle. dinner when you wanted to? I did whatever Did I you wanted. take baths whenever you wanted to? <laughs> you know it. Oh, you no. know it. You know it. And, you know, and I was, you know, that Nobody's was unusual. knocking at the door. Right. <laughs> Mom, I need something. Right, like, right. Pee. You know, and I wasn't like the rest of my friends. You know, my friends had gotten married, you know, pretty early on, had yep. kids pretty early on. I was just more focused on my career and really finding the right person. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to have to go through a divorce. I mean, divorce happens. I get it. Yep. I understand. But I just... And I think a lot of women do what they think they're supposed to do and they don't listen to themselves. Right. And then they do end up not in the right situation or, you know, facing a challenge and that maybe if they had just given themselves a little grace and been like, hey, let me not marry this guy because everyone else is getting married right now. Absolutely. You know, or I got pregnant. I don't need to get married. Right. Like, you know, maybe he's just a nice guy. Right. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, right. pays you child support. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it may be. But, but anyway, so, okay. So you're 40 years old. You get the fibroids out. Yeah. We get the fibroids out and pretty much my doctor, my surgeon, who I mentioned is also a fertility specialist, um, you know, she pretty much says, you know, I realize you're older, but you're both healthy. You should have no trouble getting pregnant. Shouldn't be an issue, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So come, let's see, I had my fibroids taken out in the summer of, of 2015. Um, and you know, I did have to give my body some time to heal before we could even start trying Mm -hmm. for a baby. Uh, So I gave more than adequate time. And by 2017, um, you know, my husband was a bit more on board with, okay, we, because I pretty much said, hey, like my, I do know my clock is ticking at this point. <laughs> right. And if we're going to have kids, you know, if, if we're going to do this, like it, it's kind of like we can't just keep kicking that bucket down the road right. like we have right. been. So in 2017, we kind of started trying naturally. Um, you know, I stopped taking birth control and I had been on birth control for a long, long time too. So I had been on birth control pills since I was 18 years old. Right. Cause you're just trying to not get knocked up. That's exactly it. You right. spent, like you said earlier, Nicole, you spend your whole life trying not to get stressing. Pregnant. When's my period coming? <laughs> right. I need to take tests. And then like, and then you try to get pregnant and it's not, it, it's not happening. So we went back and, you know, since this doctor knew me pretty well, knew my history, I went back. And so I started seeing her as now um, not just a patient for surgery, but, you know, one of her fertility patients. Um, So we kind of, 
ran the gamut of things to do. You know, there's there's a lot of different things you can try. You can try fertility medication, which we did. You know, Clomid's a big one. That's uh, right. All that's, my fr- almost all my friends. Mm-hmm. Well, then they have super Clomid. Yes. Clomid. Is it Clomid? Clomid. Clomid. I'm like, is Clomid. that an STD or a <laughs> yeah, fertility right. drug? Right. Well, I remember my doctor, when I told him, when I was going off the pill, I'm like, okay, we're going to start trying. And he's like, look, it doesn't happen right away. It can take time. You know, especially he's like, go off of the pill and wait a while. Like, get your system back. And so for me, I never was regular, ever. You know, so I, I was on the pill to stay regular. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, but... Finally, but you know, for us and you know, we, it was like three or four months into it, you know, we had, um, we had, we had gotten pregnant and this is the other side of, I'm not going to cry, but I feel it coming on, but this is the other side that of, you know, dealing with infant loss or miscarriages or things along those ways. So we, you know, we had decided that we were going to go ahead and get pregnant and we got pregnant within like a few months and, um, and we, everything was going fine. And then I did have early bleeding. I want to say in my first trimester and my doctor was like, after this whole thing went down, he's like, my guess is there was a breach, you know? And so, um, anyway, so it was like, we were six months pregnant and I was telling Brooke the story on the way here. And, um, I woke up in the morning getting contractions and they weren't just Braxton Hicks. They were actual contractions. They were painful, but they were all over the place. So I called my doctor as soon as they opened in the morning and they couldn't see me until noon. And by then I was having bleeding. Like I was like, it was awful. So we get to the hospital and this is the first time I've actually talked about this. You know, I don't even talk about it on social media because it's just so painful. Um, I get to the hospital and the doctor is saying, um, this is really bad. Like your placenta is like you're presenting. And so we're going to send you to the hospital and we're going to put you on invert, like inverted. So hopefully like gravity will just suck that baby right back in, you know, and it wasn't working. And so they're giving you morphine and I don't do well with drugs. So I'm, I'm like, it's just a mess. Like I feel like they've put a ton of bricks on me. I'm like not feeling well and I'm scared. I'm super scared. And so, um, so then they ended up having to like helicopter me over to NICU because they were like, you're going to have this baby. So it was pretty, it's, it's hard, you know, it's like when you're expecting everything to go normal and it doesn't go normal, um, it's, it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. And so you did give birth. Mm-hmm. And she was six months old. Yeah. She well, was, six, well, she was, I was six months pregnant. Six so pregnant. I, it was, they considered it preterm labor. And then, um, and you know, it's one of those things. They're asking you all of these questions and they're like, and by the way, they gave me this anti-nausea medicine that made me feel like I was crawling out of my skin. Dale had left to go get something and he came back and he goes, I was twitching and tweaking and he is like, are you okay? And I go, I don't know what she just gave me, but it's awful. And so he's like, what did you just give her? And so she's like, she's like heroin. <laughs> And I was just a mess because like, I don't oh, well, do well with medication. It. I'm just not a meds person. So she um, it's like, I'm already on a second dose of Benadryl for her. <laughs> so stay patient. Jesus. It was awful. But um, anyway, so we'll, you know, but that's. I'll give you a break. Okay. I can see the tears coming. <laughs> no, it's not, you know, in next week, you actually. You know, I think tears are just manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> she does think that, actually. <laughs> She's like, what I are you trying think. to get out of me? I'm like, no, it's emotion. No. All right, she's, lear- she's learning to I'm accept learning her to, feelings. I am. And she's other learning people's to accept feelings her feelings, too. I know. But um, so, yeah. So then, of course, they're asking you all these questions like, you know, 
do you know, I'm like, how do I know what we're supposed to do right now? And the nurse said to me, the, not the nurse, the doctor said, this is going to be the hardest decision you have to make in your life. This will be the hardest decision you make. You know, when she's born, do you want her to be hooked up to all the machines? Do you want, you know, and it was like, and I'm like looking at Dale and I said, you know, I've always believed in quality of life. My mom has always taught me quality of life is important. And I can't just bring, you know, our daughter into this world and just expect, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, it was really hard. And so I'm like, okay, tell me the odds. Like what's going to happen? They're like, most likely she's going to have cerebral palsy. She can be blind. She could be deaf. Most likely what's going to happen is probably a week into this, she can have a brain aneurysm and pass away because they're so fragile and so little at that time. So we just made the decision. Um, we did have her baptized, even though we're not religious. I just felt, I, it, that's like what freezing I your eggs. It's just I like I, just protecting your downside risk. Right. <laughs> so at that, so that's what I, you know, at that moment, I was like, we have to. Um, so they had a number of people in there. And so I said, listen, you know, if she's fighting, you fight for her. But if it's not going to be viable, then we're, we're, we have to let her go. And it's the most guilty thing I live with to this day because I've met other Parent, people, parents that have um, babies, like Lauren was one pound, 11 ounces, and they are fine and healthy. I mean, there's some things and that's natural, but they work through it. And so there's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. But I mean, but you don't know and you don't think about it. Right. And, and you, don't you don't have a chance to think about it. You mm -hmm. have to make such a quick decision. Right. And all you can do is think what is best in the moment. And right. nobody can make that decision but the two of you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the grief sets in, you know, that, the whole thing. And so, you know, my the company that I worked with at the time was like, take your full maternity leave. And I'm like, I can't. I, you know, I was off for two weeks and I had to go back to work because that's what I do. <laughs> I just work. And um, I was like, I can't stay home. I need to go back. I have to stay busy. So after two weeks and like it was probably a year, a year had gone by. It was probably around the anniversary. And I was talking or doing something. And one of the brokers that had worked in my office came by and he goes, I have to tell you, it's so nice to hear you laugh again. And he goes, for so long, you would just come in and be quiet and just do what you're supposed to do and go home. And he was like, it's so hard because you're so open, you're so gregarious, and you love everybody. For you just to come in and do your thing and just leave, it's been hard to watch you do that for the last year. So. So it's, it's, there are all kinds of roads. And then you had two healthy births. Yes, we did have two healthy babies afterwards. And they just give me a run for my money every day. <laughs> But it's not, it's, it's not, everybody, this, it's not this simple linear. No. Oh, you have me fucking crying. So, Kathleen. but they did. So now I'm a high risk pregnancy. So it was like, I had to go in every single day, go in every week for 16 weeks. I had to go in, have an ultrasound. You were probably like, yes. Yeah, I will be there. Exactly. You probably got your own ultrasound machine at home. I know. I did have one of those baby Doppler. Did you have that baby Doppler where you listen to the heartbeat? No. So we did have, so we recorded it. <laughs> I did not like being pregnant. <laughs> we we recorded it. So we had, um, we have Lauren's heartbeat saved. We have it, you know, in our computer. And oh. I always tell Dale all the time. And we had her cremated. As a matter of fact, um, her birthday is February 3rd. And so it was around Valentine's Day. And so um, when I went to the, um, there's so many things you have to deal with that you don't realize. We had to go to the mortuary and we had to talk to the, you know, make plans and everything. And, and we weren't going to do a service and people wanted to do like a GoFundMe back then. I'm like, no, absolutely not. We're not doing any of that. And um, the, do the mortuary mortician was like, um, do you want to see her? Uh, and I was like, I can't. I couldn't no. see. I couldn't do it. 
I could not do it. No, that's all right. But I feel guilty for that. You should not feel guilty. Because I was just like so, it was so hard. And Girl, you were just trying to survive. It's the truth. But what I did do is I found a heart from Michael's actually. He goes, whatever you want to get, just bring it in and we will, when she's cremated, we'll put her in there. And so she's in a heart, in a heart that says always on it. And she's cremated in there. And I keep her in my room. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. When we moved into our house, um, the house we're in now, um, I, I like, it was, I don't know what time it was or what happened, but, and I had a crazy moment and I was like, I haven't seen that bag. I don't know where Lauren is. And so I'm like, Dale, I need your help right now. Like you've stopped everything and we need to find her. And so he went to the garage cause we were unpacking stuff and I went to my bedroom and I finally found her in the box. So I keep her like, and I'll look at her, you know, I'll just pull her out and hold her for a second. But I, my deal is if anything happens to me. She she comes with me. She goes. Aww. That's the deal. So you heard it, working mommy man manual listeners. I'm on it. I'm on it, sister. <laughs> Dale, don't be a fucker. <laughs> Make sure that happens. Make sure that happens. Kathleen, I'm really glad you shared that. Because- Thank you, because this is the first. I haven't been able to talk about it. And, you know, I think that with her birthday coming up next week, which Friday, who knows what that's going to look like next week, you know, and you never know what your emotions are going to be. You don't know how they're going to be. I don't know if I'll wake up in a good mood that day or I'll be in a bad mood. And most likely I'll be fine because it's 19 years, you know. But you just, you know, I grieve for all the things that she didn't get to have with us. And Maybe all you should just take the day off. No. I'll talk to your boss. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Or maybe we should go out for a champagne lunch. Let's do that. Okay. All right. You know, grief is a really weird thing. You know, you never, I think with grief, you never really necessarily get over it. You just get through it. Right. You know? And then it comes in waves. Absolutely. Like it, like you're good, you're good, you're good. And then it and, hits you. And then it and hits you like a ton of bricks. And it can be like a song or something specific, but it could just be. So she you're does. Like walk, you're walking down the hall and all of a sudden it just hits you. Right. Absolutely. So she does have a song. And actually, we while we were pregnant, um, Dale had found this song. It's um, In My Mother's Eyes. I can't remember who sings it because oh. it's so hard for me to listen to. I can't listen to it. But... Um, I, we can refill you, girl. Yes. There is, <laughs> um, yes. We, so anyway, but so I haven't listened to that song probably in a long time because I, it's a hard one to listen to, but um, I, Dale, it's another God wink. I think it was Dale's mom when we were pregnant with Brooklyn sent me a gift and it was this bear that plays in my daughter's eyes or in my mother's eyes. And I was like, this is so sweet. It's very thoughtful. It's very good. So, so. I mean, yeah, thanks for sharing. And I know how hard that is. And I know, you know. Um, and I did it without ugly crying. <laughs> no, I, I started kind of ugly crying. But, it's um, hard, you know. And so I feel for you because I, you know, it's different experiences, Brooke. But at the same time, it's, you know, you know, you're, 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 you feel like you're put on this earth like, we have to have babies and we have to do this. And well, if it then doesn't when you go, want one, right? Yeah. When you, when, like... Society is always saying you're supposed to have baby. Like, that's the highest and best use of your, like, and I don't know where anyone is on the abortion thing, but of course, like, you know, that's what the politicians are saying the best use of you oh is gosh. to just keep reading. Stay but out of it. Anyway, but it's not easy to, it's, it's, it's not linear. It's not easy. And even when you think everything's great and you're six months into your pregnancy, and Brooke, you are at the very beginning of was, that journey. Yep. And I you're, was, you're still like, 
you know, it's it sounds like you were still bright eyed and bushy tailed, right? Like oh, you were going absolutely. to the fertility, but you're like, all right, like yeah, I'm I'm a boss bitch. Like I can get through this. Absolutely. Like, I just I had you know this is nothing, right? right? Right. You just you know you go through it, and it, it was really interesting though. You know, sitting in the waiting room of my doctor's um, clinic because. You had all walks of life in there. You had same-sex couples. You had older people, younger people, every race, every ethnicity, you name it. I mean, there were clearly people older than me. There were clearly people much, much younger than me. It didn't matter, you know. So fertility you in, hits you everybody. You were in good company, yes. unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, infertility hits a lot of people. Yeah. And it's very common, and it's just not something that, you know, people talk about. Mm-hmm. And as women, it's really interesting, too, because, like, you were both just talking about, you know, we're put on this earth. We're supposed to have babies. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. And right. when your body does not do what it's supposed to do, you know, it, it really messes with your mind and your mental, you know, and that that was the big challenge that I had. So as you said, Nicole, it was fine in the beginning. You know, I was still very optimistic. I was like, this is not a big deal. You know, we can get through this. And so we, you know, I got on the the fertility medication. Well, that didn't work. So then, you, you know, you move on to the next step, right? And the next step is, okay, well, we're going to put you on the fertility medication and we're going to try timed intercourse. Okay. Well, so you Which know, sounds fucking awful. It is, and let me like, tell you, it is. I would. It is. Like I, ju- I did just throw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. No. So but, there's no intimacy in right, that. There's right, no. Right, right. It's just like, hey, hey, guess what? It's it's six oh five. We're gonna get down and dirty right now. So I don't care if you're in the mood or not. We're gonna yeah. fuck. You're like, you know, yes. like <laughs> yes. You're like, put some porn on. Yeah. Let's get this. Por- let's Pam, get this going. Pam, Pam. Porn and mimosas. Porn, that's that's porn how she mimosas. keeps her marriage healthy that's and happy. We, yeah. It's like no one's home. Lock the doors. <laughs> Pam time. <laughs> it doesn't matter that there's dogs barking in the no. background or scratching uh, at the door or anything else. Oh like, God. you know what? Guess yeah. what? It the doctor said it's time now. You guys are gonna do the deed. And so, you know, you know how well that goes. No, yeah. and it also, I would imagine, puts a strain on your marriage. Completely. Because you're taking this thing that is You're a taking intimacy component. completely yes. out of the equation. Yeah, and that is an important part of marriage. It is. And now you're, like, kicking it out the door, and now it's becoming work. Right. Which marriage is already kind of work. It is. So now you're taking yeah. the fun part and your, your Pam part, and you're making it work, too. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you. So now you're doing timed intercourse. Right. You're. Are you on like Clomid at this point? Yes. You're on Clomid. You know, pretty much. You just. You know, this is supposedly when you're ovulating, and so you know, this is when you guys, you know, have to have to have intercourse. Blah blah blah. So, you know, we tried that for probably two or three cycles, and then that didn't work. So you know, it's like, okay, well, what's the next step? And let me let me backtrack for a minute because in the very beginning of this, we said when we're going to go through these, you know, alleged treatments or whatever you want to call them, no matter what, we're, we're not, we're never doing in vitro fertilization. We will never get to that point. So it won't be an issue. And we're never doing that. We, no, absolutely not. We are hundred percent not doing that. Okay. So the next step after the time dinner course, at least for us, and it may be different for other people because we wanted to go slow. We didn't want to just dive in we basically said we're not doing IVF. A lot of people will just go straight to IVF. And that's fine. That's the decision that makes 
you know, sense for them. Yeah. But it it's not what we wanted to do. Because again, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we may not be super young, but we're healthy. We're in good shape. We take right. care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've tested me for everything under the sun. And you it's know? not like we're crypt keeper old. Right. No. Well, and I suspect there was a component, and you can correct me on this, there was a component where you whatever you had most of what you had wanted to have happen in your life you were able to create that and make it happen 100% and now you're like your your brain is still like this is just another mm-hmm. i have to study harder for my cfp or it. i need to work harder to build the practice or any like you're you're like oh i've 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 been here before i've had roadblocks right. i just need to work harder right. and i get through it cuz i've gotten through everything else right my husband and I were, you know, two people where if you just worked hard enough at something at life or quite frankly threw enough money at it, right? Yeah. You would accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that was just not happening. <clears throat> so it was a really tough pill to swallow as we're continuing down this road. Well, and Brooke, you had mentioned also, so she was an advocate for other friends that were trying to get pregnant. And so, you know, she had said that, you know, they would go down this journey, she would be there to help them. And then, you know, they would end up pregnant. And then she still, you know. I was still kind of sitting on the sidelines. I was benched out in the game. Which is not your normal MO in life. Right. 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 Like you are the one who like worked hard enough and got the brass ring. Exactly. And now you're watching all these other and that's that just has to be hard. It is. And not that you're not happy for them, obviously. No, right. You can Absolutely. simultaneously be thrilled for someone and, and be still, sad like, for and you. And just be sad. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Right. Yep. And that's okay. That's human. Yep. It's just hard. It's it you is. know, it's you know, I think that we've all you know, everybody feels that in a sense, you know, I think that it's a, of course you're happy for everybody. And at the same time, you're just like, why isn't this happening for me? Or why does it have to be so hard? That's what I say sometimes. Why does it have to be so hard? Well, growing well, up in a family of yeah. therapists, it's so important that we we genuinely touch and feel all the emotions that we have, even when they're ugly or we're embarrassed by them. You don't, you can't act on everything, right? Like that's the big difference, right? So you can feel er- like you might feel sad for yourself, but when your friend when your friend tells you that she's pregnant after going through her fertility struggles, and you can feel sad, but you're not going to say like, oh, I'm so sad for me though." Like right. you know, like you, so you can't yeah. act on it, right? Exactly. But you right. feel you need to feel that, right. you know, and give it space and and sit with it. So and you okay. start to wonder what's wrong with you because right. you know, here <clears throat> as women, we're you know. We're supposed to have babies. Like, that's what we do. And yet my body that I'm, you know, it's not doing what it's supposed to do or what I was born to do. And so you're wondering, well, shit, what the hell's wrong with me? Yeah. Why is this happening? Did I smoke pot too much? Right. What did I do? (laughs) You know, what did I I do? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, nobody in my family had ever had, um, you know, they may have had, like Some a, problems, but everybody ended up pregnant. You know, even my mother had me when she was 39 years old. Okay, that's actually a great point to bring up. So it's not like it's it's just like any other medical issue. Mm-hmm. You could have zero family history. Right. And just you through luck of the draw, like that congratulations. Yep. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's important. Exactly. So, anyways, the next step was okay, um, it wasn't IVF, and it was, um, oh my gosh. Artificial insemination? Yes. Thank you. 
I don't, you would think that I would just remember this. <laughs> Girl, you probably are like, I just want to blank. I know. I just want to blank out. Just blank just, them out. They call it IUI, you know, okay. for short. So intrauterine insemination is what it stands for. Can you tell, all right, I have this like visual in my head of what that is. Can you please, expl- could you mind explaining No, not at it, all. Okay, what was not the procedure? Because so, I'm thinking turkey baster when I yeah, hear that. I, I knew it, you were going to say that. that. I was going again, to say that. Again, yes. it's like in the movies. Like yes. I think I saw some like stupid <laughs> show where Sharon Stone was a lesbian and she and her partner were like, do, and like literally I think they had a turkey baster. <laughs> yes. And now that is what I am fucking stuck with in my head. So it pretty much is. Okay, honestly. Well, then, right, I mean, thanks, it's, Sharon. it really is. They thanks, So they pretty much take, you know, sperm from my husband and you know, they, they time everything according to your, your normal natural cycle. And then you go in, it's, it's a very, you know, they call it a procedure, but it's basically like going to the gynecologist essentially. And they pretty much take like a a turkey baster and they just pump you full of sperm at supposedly the time that you're ovulating. Was it painful? Um, actually, no, it's not any more painful than going for a pap. Okay. So just like awkward and uncomfortable. Awkward and uncomfortable, maybe a little embarrassing, but, but not really terribly uncomfortable. Do you know, I had to stop going to my gym because the nurse (laughs) practitioner who took over for my OBGYN worked out at my gym. And it was like so weird to see this woman who had her hands in my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and just, like, try to talk, like, hey, Laura, what's up? Like, I'm, like, trying to work out in the morning and, like, Ugh. So did you, you didn't switch gyms. You just stopped, I stopped going to I, didn't, I was, like, I got – I think I had my Peloton at that point, too. Oh, but yeah. I was, like, this is just one more sign from God. <laughs> like, this is – I it's just weird seeing some – like, a. it's just weird. Right? It's just weird. It's not, like, an ex. It's just some woman who it's her job to put her fingers up your vagina. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, so you had a turkey baster up your vagina and nothing, nothing. No, so we did four rounds of that. My doctor suggested we do three at the very most. But again, she reassured me, you're going to be fine. This is, you know, this is going to seal the deal. It's not going to be an issue. You'll get pregnant, yada, yada, yada. Were you starting to suspect at this point that it might not be, or were you still like... I just have to keep doing the right stuff and it'll happen. You know, like, I, I think it was probably a little bit of both depending okay. on the day. Okay. It was kind of like, okay, why is this not working? And, you know, when the, when it didn't work the first time and it was one of those things where the fertility doctors tell you, you know, the more rounds you do, the, the, the more likely it'll happen. It's kind of like this, you know this succession that, you know, just, just keep trying, keep trying. It never really happens the first time. So you'll be successful within, you know, three rounds or so. Can I also ask, were you stressed at all? Of course. Okay. And I ask that because a lot of times, like, and I, I have seen this with, uh, not necessarily my friends, but parents of my friends who adopted like my friends and then got pregnant or adopted an, a child and then got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so there's this component where everyone's like, oh, it's so mental. It's so mental. Right. So where were you – when did you go from like – when did you start being – like would you say stressed? Was there always a component of that? And then it just got worse and worse like the longer this drug out? So it did start off that way. 
But I think once we got to the IUI and, you know, after kind of the first round, I was like, okay, you know, not a big deal. She said it typically doesn't happen on the first time. But by the second round, I was starting to get a little bit fidgety, a little bit nervous. Um, and as I angry? Were you angry? Because I would... I, you start to become, you know, a little bitter in the process. Yeah. Um, especially when you're, you know, at the time you're... You know the pregnancy announcements don't stop, right. and oh, the celebration, you're going to everyone's goddamn and the baby birthday shower. parties and everything. You're like, and, I don't care. Your kid turned one, right? Well, you know, and, well, and you're like, you guys. All right, said, I care a little bit, but you're not that happy much. for everybody else, but at the same time, it's like salt, salt, yes. salt in the wound, salt in yes. the wound, salt in yes. the wound. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then I mean, you know. I'm sure people would probably ask you, you know, what are your plans? Oh, or shit. did they, like, how did that go? Oh, were well, people like, what are you waiting for? Well, and you're like, go you fuck yourself. Well, you mentioned that because, you know, we would meet people and, like, just one of the first questions they would, so do you have kids? Do you have kids? Are you guys having to have kids? You know? And we were never sensitive to it before. It was never a big deal. But all of a sudden, you know, when we're going through all of this, you become overly sensitive and it's just like god damn it can people just stop asking if we're gonna have kids and what are you waiting for and blah 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 you know it just and you start to just become sort of angry right and it's not their fault it's a normal question right right that people would ask but again it's not it's not that person's fault for like they're probably genuinely interested right it's not your friend's fault for having gotten pregnant it's not their fault for their kid turning one but you still like that, and I think that's important takeaway for anyone who's listening to this and is and is having trouble or had trouble. Like it's normal to feel what you think are quote unquote ugly feelings. Yes. Ugly feelings are just you being human. Yes, it's absolutely. literally you being a human being, and that's why we have a podcast. And that's yes, because <laughs> you can come here and you can be human. Yes, and right. you can feel human. And guess what? It we're validating you being human. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you're. And I and trust me, I felt like a complete bitch because right. you know I would have friends that were making pregnancy announcements, and it was really hard, you know. And you just sort of shut down, you know, because yes, you're very happy for them, of course, but it's it's really hard to communicate that when you're just you're so sad for yourself and you just don't understand, you know, what's going on and why this isn't happening. You know, people. I mean. People get pregnant, no problem. You know, what, I always say crack the, crack addicts get pregnant. Right. Crack addicts have babies who grow up to be healthy kids, right? right. Like like are you kidding me? I've done everything right. I did this and that and I checked that box and you know and I yeah. was healthy and I took my prenatals and it was Absolutely. you know and then I'm losing my baby at six months or I can't get pregnant yeah mm-hmm. are you kidding me yeah. well and I'll tell you something here to add, talk about adding salt to a wound wound a womb womb <laughs> Freud says there are no mistakes you say that I don't like Freud, Freud says very that. much but I mean he's okay but so um on top of that so I like I think it was a Tuesday maybe it was a Monday that this whole thing happened and I kid you not by Friday or maybe it was Saturday I had a ten thousand dollar helicopter bill in my mailbox uh-huh 
$10,000. Girl, so, could you go back and have them do that GoFundMe thing? So, <laughs> At that point, you're right? You're like, um, I totally take it back. Well, and so then I so I call our I call our insurance and I'm like, why isn't this covered? They're like, because this is extra, basically, is just of it. And I'm like, this is, but I kept fighting. And it took me three months and I called I called them back again and I said, you know what? It, I mean, I was, I was angry. I was angry grieving at this time anyway. But I told them, I said, you know what? You told me if I took care of myself, I took my prenatals, I went to this thing, I signed up for Well Babies or whatever it's called, the insurance program. And you, this is ridiculous. And she goes, oh, you signed up for that program? We got it covered. They covered it. But, but oh, because I had a fight for so long oh, to get it done. Snap. I was pissed. Nah. I was so pissed. And I cried because I was like, she's like, oh. What, what is the first it, letter of the healthcare company? Just don't say their name, but what's the- You. Oh, fuckers. So, and not only that, so when I did have our children and I got our, um, I, I would get a benefits card every year, you know, they give you with your dependents on it. Lauren was always listed on there. Always. I finally called them and I'm like, will you please take her off? I can't see this every year. Like, it's torture. It is. It doesn't, you know. It is. It is. Well, and when I was, you know, going, you had that covered. I mean, granted, you had to fight, which is Oh, yours wasn't covered? No. No. Not a a dime. They need to fix that. They need to figure something out. Because that is, that's what you It's a medical condition. Yeah, and I had really good insurance through my employer, but there's very, at least in the state of Arizona... There's very few employers, very few, that cover fertility because it's so expensive. And when I tell you girls, I, you know, by the time, I won't even get into the adoption because we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, by the time all is said and done between the medications, the doctor's visits, and you have to go and get blood drawn, you know, several times a week. Um, I mean, there were times, you know, and I'll get into this too. There were times that I was at the doctor's office every other day for weeks. So, you know, trying to juggle a full-time job and doctor's appointments, while the doctor's appointments may be short, they still happen. And they're very, you know, they're very frequent. There were some times I was at the doctor on Fridays, Saturdays, Sunday, you know, fertility doctors, there is no off day. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they work mm-hmm. all the time. So, because that's just the way it works. You know, you never know, you know, you never know what the, you know, what the body calls for, right. whether, you know, you're going to ovulate this day or the next day, you know, they don't care. It's not like, Nope, I'm sorry. You have to ovulate on a Tuesday. But, but the you point know? is, you're going to a doctor. You just right. said I could be going to a doctor almost every other day for weeks. Yes. How is that not covered by medical insurance? It just it's not. It's it's not like you're you know fucking chiropractors, which I'm sure there are great chiropractors out there, but they're like, you know, there's they, they cover like yeah. Anyway, and I'm not I'm not picking chiropractors. No, but don't, it, no, don't but send me hate mail chiropractors, no. but like. It is purely medical, right? Going, but through the insurance that. companies don't see it that way. It's well, no, they do. They, they just they can they can it's justify ridiculous. it. The, they can they the, can just they see yeah. it that way. They know they know well, it's medical. They yeah. know it's medical. We right. we see you. <laughs> medical insurance. Okay, so okay, so when are you? 
So, okay, so. So all of this is out of pocket. Out of of pocket, (sighs) right? And so anyways, the next step is, well, there's really nothing more you can do other than if you want to try in vitro fertilization, right? Mm. Which is very, very expensive. Uh, With no guarantee. Exactly. I always thought before, like when I was younger, Mm -hmm. that like you would, I, I don't know why, but I thought you'd pay as long as you had a baby. Right. But you just pay. You just pay. You just pay. So there's all these visits. There's a lot of, you know, monitoring going on, a lot of blood works, lots and lots and lots of appointments. So I did prepare my employer for this when, when I was going through it. I said, hey, you know, here's what I'm dealing with. You know, you need to know because I'm going to have a lot of appointments. They will be short in duration, but they will be frequent. So I promise you, I'm not just disappearing. (laughs) I will be back. Right. You know, and again, this was all before the pandemic. So there was no working from home. Oh, and you were in the financial industry. And I was in the financial industry. Which we are hardcore. And I was a director. (laughs) And so I oversaw a team of people. I was a director. I was a manager. You know, when I wasn't there... It was noticed. Right. So, you know. the world is falling apart. Right. I will say my employer was wonderful. Oh. They were very understanding. And I worked with all, pretty much all men. Right. Because you're in finance. But they were wonderful. That's, so what's the first initial of the place that you worked? It's, the place I worked for was called Beacon Point Wealth Advisors. Beacon, cheers now to it's Beacon just, Point Wealth Advisors. Yeah, way they to were, support. Now they're cheers. just called Beacon Point Advisors, but they were wonderful. And All they right. were very understanding. All so. right. Good good job. Yes. Really they good They were job. very understanding. So, Which isn't normal in a heavily male-dominated... I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, you were like... Um, uh, I it was a podcast, but you were like, how many people like you were this, you were at a conference? Oh, I was at a, on a panel, and we were talking about creating space for women on your team. Mm-hmm. And I said, how many men in the audience have children, grown or otherwise? And just about every person in the audience raised their hand. And I said, of you men who have your hands raised and you have children, how many of you were asked if you were going to stay home and take care of the baby? Keep your hands raised. Right. Every hand went down. Mm-hmm. Every hand. So well, the CEO and founder was of the company, not necessarily locally. We were headquartered in Newport Beach, was a woman. Oh. So it counts. It counts. It counts. It counts. Yep. Okay. So now so, you're like, now they're like, this is a decision point. Right. And, you know, going back saying we're, you know, we're never going to do this. We're never, well, never say never. Right. Because at that point <laughs> right. you just don't know how desperate you're, you're like, going what? to become. You know, this is going to work. This well, is- you were saying that when you didn't conceptualize that could have been something that you would Correct. have to do. Correct. We never thought we would get down this road and be at this path where we had to choose a direction. I'm going to ask another question. Do you think it was helpful for you and your husband to have started saying we're not going to do IVF because it made it seem like you you guys were going to be able to do it the way that you wanted to do it? Because if you had said from the beginning, like, no matter what, we're, we'll do IVF too, like that would have been even more pressure. Like it would have been like... I think so. Because if we had thought in the beginning, you know, about doing... We probably just would have skipped all these other steps Mm -hmm. and gone straight to that point. We probably would have saved some money. Maybe not a ton. But you don't um, know. And some grief. But you don't know. It's baby steps. It's exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, when your doctor is telling you, 
there's nothing wrong with you. You're both really healthy. Everything's checked out. And trust me, I did every procedure, every ultrasound, everything under the sun that you could imagine to make sure, you know, all the parts were working correctly. There wasn't scar tissue. You know, everything was in the clear. And then your husband had to do stuff too. Correct. They get to make Correct. sure. I heard someone yesterday that, so I had a, I talked to a woman yesterday whose sister had her other sister carry a baby for her and her husband, because her husband had lazy sperm and she like couldn't carry a baby for whatever reason. But anyway, I was like, lazy sperm. I literally can't think of a meaner thing to yeah. tell a man like yeah you yeah got some lazy ass sperm yeah well they test for all that they, they test do. for yeah. sperm count they test for motility they test for volume they test for all of that but typically with IVF something like that wouldn't matter because they're you're forcing do, the sper- egg and the sperm together and creating the mm. embryos right you know they're shooting it right in there. They're sh- yeah. Well, we so we have a friend. I'm not going to say her name because I didn't talk to her before this. But we worked with somebody that um, was, tried for a very long time, and I will never forget the moment that she messaged me and she said, "We just did the I- IVF. There was two eggs, I think that had." that had taken and they implanted them and I'm walking down I'm at Walmart the grocery store I'm walking down I literally walk right past Renee Scherzer don't even see her because I'm so involved in my like I'm gonna cry at this moment I'm at the grocery store this is I'm so happy for you kind of a moment and Renee's like Kat what are you doing I'm like oh hi <laughs> Renee's another finance gal she hey Renee I know Renee, Renee. oh yes. yeah I've met Renee yes. Yes. Renee is one of my favorite people on the yes. planet is Renee's wonderful oh my god we just went to this woman in retirement conference and um, Renee She's on the committee. She on the committee. She, she was co-chair? on the committee. Yep. So she was like, I was like, it, it's sad that it takes a conference that, for us to get together. Like we're all the way on the west side. Thank goodness it was here. It was a town. local. It was a conference that was here locally this year. Gotcha. It was so much fun. And so Renee and I sat at the table. We got to sit at, together at lunch. We happened to be at the same table, and I was like, boop boop boop, catch up on everything. I love, love her. Love some Renee. Love yes. love me some Renee. She's a good one. Okay, so now. How do you and your husband have that conversation? Like, we're going to do IVF. And was it... It's pretty much, this is our only choice because nothing else is working. So do do we really want to, do we really want to go down this road? You know, and, and doctors, you know, it's hard for me to say this because my oldest brother is a physician, but they don't tell you everything. They really don't. They sugarcoat things. They tell you what you want to hear. And when you're going through a lot of different things, you just, it's kind of, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't necessarily know all the questions, all the right questions to ask. And at the time, I didn't necessarily know anybody else going through IVF. I mean, later on, I had friends going through it and... And people don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. I was going to ask, did... What did the doctors provide like support groups or like like they provided some websites Mm -hmm. that you could go to you know a big one is called resolve i think it's resolve.org oh that sounds awful um which talks about the different ways to start a family um you know but you know everybody's so everyone's so different you know uh it, it just depends so you know they just they don't tell you everything i mean Fertility doctors are also in the business of sales. Oh, right. They're like right? dentists. That's what they do. I feel well, like, sorry I, to my dentist if you listen. <laughs> <laughs> They're like dentists. They do the same thing. They're that's like, how they make their best. money. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. You know, the the they don't tell you, yeah, you know, 
there's a good chance IVF doesn't work for everybody, and it doesn't. But on the and on the flip side of that, they may paint a rosier picture because there are people out there who believe or like there have been you know examples of if you're stressed, it doesn't help. Right. That does just because you're stressed or not stressed doesn't mean you're going to get pregnant. But it just it doesn't it doesn't necessarily help. So maybe they were like, well, let's not freak her out. Right. Right. So maybe there's a piece of that, but there is a sales piece of that. And, you know, having dealt with some, both of my parents had open heart surgery in the last 90 days. It's been a shit show. But to your point, they, they, I don't know what I don't know. So I'd have to talk to the doctors and then I'd have to do a bunch of research and then I'd have to go back. Correct. They, I don't know that they leave it out. I just think they only have this much time. Correct. And they can't teach you a course in hearts or, fertility or whatever, right? right? They're giving you like the high level and then you have to be your you own have to, advocate. You, you have do. to Google it. 100% mm-hmm. you have to be your own advocate. You Google it or talk to other people. Like mm-hmm. my, I had a lot of help talking to other people, but you, not everyone talks about infertility. No, they and most people don't, quite frankly. Because it's personal. It's very personal. Do you want to talk about your husband's lazy sperm? I didn't say your husband's lazy <laughs> sperm, but like... You know, like, or no, you're like wonky true. ovary or whatever it is. Like, it's do you want to like have that conversation? Right. Not really. Not really. No. Not really. No. So we, you know, anyways, you know, we went through, um, you know, and you can go through as many rounds as you want. And then there's, you know, there's egg retrieval rounds. And then there's, you know, embryo transfer rounds. So, you know, some people do the egg retrieval and immediately turn around and and put the embryos back into the uterus. We opted for um, frozen embryo transfers, which is, you know, another whole story. But basically they, they create the, you know, they take my egg, they take my husband's sperm, um, they put them together in a Petri dish, you know, they kind of force it. (laughs) And, um, it's great. It's lovely. But it does give your, your body a chance to kind of recover from Mm -hmm. the retrieval because you're on so many meds, you're pumped so full of hormones. So that's the other thing, you know, you just become an emotional wreck mm-hmm. because you're just pumped full of hormones, you know, to get your, you know, your ovaries to, eggs, to produce, produce, as produce as many, many eggs, eggs as, you, as possible, as right? Um, but then you're like crying every, you know. Oh, every I, other- yeah. I mean, you know, my husband didn't know if I was going to be normal that day, a complete lunatic, you know, in the next five minutes, if I was just going to start breaking down and crying, you know, it's. Which it's, also is hard on a marriage. We've been there. I mean. It's hard on you as a human. Yes. And it's hard on a marriage. We've Absolutely. all been there. I mean, I will tell you, I was the biggest disaster the first full year that my mother passed away. My poor husband, I I was a lunatic. I would like, I would go to work and did I seem fine at work? Did I mean, I just worked. I mean, poor Perry, I would like have a meltdown. And then he's like, can you help me with something? <laughs> yes, yes, I can help he's like, you. Could just- you. Could you make this trade for me? <laughs> I know, exactly. And um, and then I came to you one day. It was like literally that Friday and um, the one week after my mom had passed. And it was Mother's Day weekend. She died the week before Mother's Day. And there was such a great, a gentle giant, Pat, that worked in our office. Oh. And he had these mother, these corsages, remember? So I came and to your made office. he for women. Like, he brought them in for, aw. yeah. So he gave me one. I went to your office because I was losing my mind and you were like here's the I go I just have to go right I have to 
journal right now. It's what I had to do. And you sent me home. We talked about your family. And we were just getting to know each other. I'd only worked with you for like four months. This is like seven years ago. And was it that was awesome. And so I went home. Was and it good? You were so good. <laughs> you really, you were, when it's a crisis moment, you're in there and you're a fixer. You, you really helped a lot. And you help. You give yourself, you don't give yourself enough credit. Oh, I just, sometimes like. You know, you're like, what did that version of me say in that moment? No, <laughs> but you were good. I mean, you taught me things about yourself that you probably didn't share with other people. But I was just like, I love her. So I went home. I like literally put on like the biggest, baggiest t-shirt. I put the corsage on and I put the yellow pen and paper next to me. And oh, I, and didn't you crawl into bed? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fully clothed with the corsage on. I did. I would go home in my suits and sleep, and sleep in my suits. You know, I couldn't even whatever change. it takes. Yeah. I, just, I, couldn't cha- I couldn't do anything. I just would sob. But then I would be fine. And then I'd be angry. It's just a whole whirlwind. Absolutely. It's you're it. up, it's you're hard. down. You're in, you're out. You're all over the yeah. place. So yeah. you're up, you're down anyway because of the process you're going through. Correct. But then you add all these intense hormones on top of that. Uh-huh. And then so how were things with you and your husband at that point? You, you don't know, have they to... were rough. They were. They yeah. were rough because, you know, the, the kind of job that I had, my husband's an attorney. Oh. So it's, you know, it, it wasn't easy. It so was... it's not like, yeah, so both of you have very demanding right. careers. Right. Correct. You and have to trying... deal with hard personalities probably at the office. Yes. And we're, you know, we're trying to navigate through something that we have no familiarity with. You know, I I don't, you know, again, as I mentioned at the time, I don't necessarily know anybody who's going through the same thing. So I have no resources. I have nobody to ask questions to, you know, everything's just in my head. So, you know, anyways, we continue and, um, you know, and, and with IVF, when you're in the IVF world... There's, there's ups and there's downs, there's highs and there's lows, right? The highs are, are sky high, the lows are rock bottom, right? And so you're kind of all over the place. And then you throw a whole slew of hormone medications into it and you're I, just like I mean, a crazy person. I can't. So, you know, it, it's really, it's really, really interesting. Do you look um, back and you're like, how do we make it through that? I do. I wonder how we survived. Yeah. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, there's things that just happen and it really made our marriage a lot stronger Mm -hmm. um it was tough it was Mm -hmm. really tough but i think we 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 came out you know much much stronger in this whole process you know despite how hard it was it would be really helpful for fertility specialists to say this can be a very challenging process yes so here are some resources for you here's like a you know because if you know to your point you're looking around the waiting room there are all these people in your same boat mm-hmm. going through the same thing. Like how how hard would it be to have some kind of like relationship, right, as a fertility specialist with a counselor right? who could ha- run groups? Like, okay, so it's like, you know, we have some group sessions. You do it over Zoom. So it's like 50 bucks a couple or something like that. They make a boatload of money for having an hour, like running an hour long just support group. It would be really helpful. Yeah. It really would. Especially when you're, you know, you're new to that. You don't know what to expect. You know, and again, everybody's different. You have no idea. Everybody's experience is different. So, you know, and mine, it wasn't just the basic IVF. And again, everybody has their own experience, but I had to do, you know, other procedures and, uh, you know, you name it, I did it. I mean, Mm. if they said, you know, go home and, and stand on your head for two hours because it might help your chances, let me tell you, I would do it. Mm. You know, it was crazy. So... 
anyhow, we went through, um, we were able to get some healthy embryos. One of the things that's, that whether you want to consider it nice or not, when you go through IVF, um, they can test your embryos to determine if the embryos are normal yep. or abnormal, meaning are all the chromosomes there? You know, you can test for things like Down syndrome. You can test for things um, early on, yeah. which is, I mean, it's kind of nice yeah. when you're going through all of that. Well, I mean, because for God's sakes, if you're going through all those hoops, right. you know, it's right. nice to have a sense that if you're implanting me with, you're implanting right. me with the healthiest like embryo that might grow into a healthy child. Correct. Um, So you can test for that. You can also, if you choose to, you can also test for the sex of the embryo. So Mm. you can know if you're, you know, when you're, when you're placing it back in to the uterus, if it's, you know, male or female. Um, So not everybody opts to do that and that's fine. It's a very personal decision, you know? So anyways, um, so we went through, you know, we were able to create normal, healthy embryos. My husband, you know, the transfers, the embryo transfers seemed fine. Everything went well, but my, my situation, you know, which is different from a lot of other people is um, my embryo transfers. They just, they were the one thing that when you go through IVF that they're not able to do for you is they can't force the embryo to attach to your uterus. That has to happen on its own uh. and it's all the body. So that was just something that never happened. Huh. Um, and we still to this day don't know why. Um, we confirmed that the timing was correct. The embryos were healthy, were normal. Everything was fine. We just don't necessarily Do you think your uterus why. was like, we really don't want to give up all the trips and baths? Truthfully, and I think what happened was, um, and it was never anything that my doctor told me, but with my husband being an attorney, you know, he has to do a lot of research on a lot of different things and you advocate for your own health. Mm-hmm. He did read some scholarly articles that, you know, when you have really severe fibroids that can distort the uterus, um, which is exactly what happened in my situation, mm. it can change the gene structure mm. in your uterus. And that was not something my doctor ever told me. We specifically asked about it, um, but she pretty much had said, Mm, I don't think that's the case. You know, I've had other patients that have had really severe fibroids, even worse than yours, and they've been able to get pregnant. And again, you just don't know, but that's the only underlying thing that happened. You know, it was always like we could create healthy embryos. They were normal. We knew the timing was correct because of different tests and biopsies I did, but they would just never attach. So again, who knows? We never. And, and ultimately, did, did you ever get to the point where I'm like, it like it doesn't really matter anyway? Correct. It just is. It really doesn't matter. It, it just, just is. it is what it so is. So it could be. It doesn't matter if it's my uterus's gene structure mm-hmm. or. I who the hell or like you know the the Earth's magnetic field right it do, like at the end of the day it doesn't yeah. matter and, and I don't I'm not tried... saying the Earth's magnetic field actually interferes with pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> don't come at her don't right? come at right. me I not know right. that's probably not it and we even tried you know after going through several rounds those several rounds included we even tried donor eggs interesting so much much younger women with super healthier super healthy eggs so again, i had a friend who did that and um she got pregnant 
very late in life, like very like yeah, yeah, yeah. for us. Yeah, and it and it and it worked. And it worked. And it so like that is a, we that's were a even, yeah we were willing to do that. We tried that two different rounds of donor eggs as well. And again, it would so just how many never rounds attach. did you do altogether? So we did we did two retrieval rounds with our own, just me and my husband. Um, but we did a total of four frozen embryo transfers. So two from my husband and I, and then two additional with my husband's sperm and an egg donor. Can you give me an idea, just ballpark, from from Clomid all the way through to the final, like wh- what would you put a price tag on? Um, gosh, with all the medications and Clomid and all of that, we're probably talking north of $150,000. Jeez. That is just insane. Yes. And that's why the healthcare community needs to get involved. This should be covered. This is ridiculous. It it's is ridiculous. Covered. It's ridiculous. It's wrong. It's just, it's flat out wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you get to round four of the implanting. It just doesn't work. And so you're like, at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I've had enough. I'm emotionally just wrecked. I've had enough, you know, and, you know, I won't say my husband never considered adoption. I probably never considered adoption. Um, but, you know, adoption wasn't foreign to us. I have an adopted niece and nephew. Um, my mother-in-law was adopted at birth. Oh. So, you know, that's interesting too. I just... I think more than anything, I was just so emotionally exhausted that I didn't want to have to go through anything else. Um, my husband was hell, at that point, he was hell bent, like, we are going to have a child. <laughs> I don't care. We are going to expand. We're going to be parents. Wow. You know? So. Well, and I'm sure, so you're going through all this was he your biggest cheerleader? Like, he was. We can get through he this was. and we're going to do he it. He really, I mean, he went from, I'm not sure I really want children to, we're going to have a fucking kid. Uh-huh. Love it. One way or another. Love and it. You are meant to be a mother. Yes. And we are going to do this. Aww. I love it. It gives me goosebumps. So. Because that, that doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I basically said, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I can't deal with any more. And he, I mean, he pretty much just said, you just sit back. I'm going to handle this. And um, there is like nothing sexier to me. <laughs> Honestly, like when. Is he's when not a fucker anymore, Renee? There uh, is, yes, I take it back. I just called Brooke's you Renee. Brooke's husband, you, <laughs> Brooke's husband, you are not a fucker after all, <laughs> sir. I take that back. I stand corrected. But there's, to me, there's literally, there's nothing. Se- so my friend Jamie, who's a man, is married to this guy, Peter. And literally, he his husband Peter is like this take charge kind of guy, and he's just like he's like I got it, I got, it. and I could give a million examples of like, and I'm like I know you're gay, but I find you so fucking sexy right now. Like <laughs> Peter gets I, it done. Peter works hard. He's like he's my Peter. Yeah, he's getting he's getting. You know, he used to be really good at that. Then he kind of took a step back, and I really fixed a lot. Now he's get. I and I told him I'm like just tell me when. Just say like I got this. Right. Yeah. I am not going to be. Well, I am not. She's gonna be a fixer, by the way, and she's the best. Like, there's an issue. I've got this connection. We're making it happen. Let's do lunch. Like, she I gets it done. To. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, I got this. So then, is was he the one who said, "How about adoption?" 
Yes. And I'll try, you know, I know we're going long, so I'll try to make this a little bit more consolidated. No, take your time. But anyways, we we ended up talking to two two different private adoption attorneys. And I won't go into a ton of detail, but it was um it was quite frankly two of the worst experiences of my life. Ugh. Um and which is really unusual because my husband I mean, my husband's not an adoption attorney, but he's a, he's an attorney, right? He and does, usually there's like some professional courtesy. Correct. I think. Correct. So it was it was really just two very poor experiences um that we had and um and I said, you know, I just I'm checked out. I can't I can't do this anymore. I'm just so exhausted. So he reached out to a good friend of ours that was really involved with the Catholic Church. Um, and he said, you know, um, our friends, Russ and Lori, he said, you know, Russ, we're, you know, you know, we've been going through this, you know, fertility treatments. You know, we really just want to expand our family. Um, you know, we don't know if you know anybody. And and basically he reached out to his priest and said, you know, we have these really good friends they really would like to expand their family, you know, and, you know, do you have any resources? Can you help in any way? And this priest was pretty much said, oh, actually, you know, Catholic Charities has, um, we have an adoption part of our, of our, you know, of the Catholic Church. And we're not Catholic. Um, so I thought that would be an issue because my husband and I are not Catholic. And the priest, it's, it's an organization called Joining Hearts um, of Catholic Charities um, Community Services. And I think Catholic Charities is in a lot of different states. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so he put us um, in touch with this organization called Joining Hearts. We attended an orientation. Of course, it was all via Zoom. Um, at that time, because we were going through the pandemic, you know, you have to attend, you know, education classes and you have to go through the process to get certified to adopt in the state of Arizona, which I could go on and on and about that. I'm sure every state's a little bit different, but there's definitely similarities. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting going through the process to get certified to adopt. I mean, really they, it's very invasive like they you know the home studies are one thing but they want everything from you know they want to know your financials to I had to provide copies of my dog's rabies certificates they want everything there is every every t is crossed every i is dotted you know there's lots of questionnaires there's lots of interviews you know and I get it they want to make sure that you're suited to be parents well, and that you're committed. Um, and that you're committed. You know, you it's know. almost like the CFP, right? Like yes. they make it really difficult to get because like probably more people could get it, but it's so much work to get it. Right. And it's like, how much do you want? They it? want to weed out the people who aren't really serious. Right. They're right. like, oh, let's mm-hmm. just adopt. And I remember one of the emails I got from Catholic Charities with everything that we had to provide just to start after we had the orientation class Again, I told my husband, I'm like, I can't do this. This is so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. And he said, we're just going to take a day at a time and we're going to do what we can do. Again, it's back to baby steps. Yeah. You well, have to go through and it. The, and the attorney actually probably with the, you know, the way that their minds work and they have to like, they are used to paperwork and, yes. you know, documents and checking things and contracts. Yes. He was probably like, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, stop looking at the fact that there's, you know, 
15 attachments just <laughs> will take one step at a time. So we got through it. You know, we, we went through the whole process to get certified to adopt. Um, I think we were official, gosh, it was probably maybe October-ish, late October-ish of 2021. And one of the things you have to do when you go through the process, at least in the state of Arizona, again, I'm sure it's similar um, amongst different states, is you have to put together what's called an adoption profile book. And it's basically oh. like a photo book. Like who you are so who that you they are. can show it to yes. prospective parents exactly. and they can pick you. A little bit about you, some pictures of you, the two of you, your family, um, you know, your hobbies, what do you enjoy doing? But it's it's also pretty vague. There's no last names. There's no um, really, there's no major information. You know, you can say, oh, we live in North Central Phoenix, but you don't say exactly where you live. Again, it's, it's, it's somewhat vague, but it just tells a little bit of a picture, it gives you a little bit of history, a little bit of a picture to the birth mother and or father or birth parents about you so that when, you know, the birth parents want to be involved in selecting the family that they, you know, are adopting their child out to, um, they have a little bit of information about you. So, um, you know, we went through all that, um, put together our profile. Uh, you know, one of the cool things at least that, that Catholic charities did when we were going through the process too, is, um, they had a panel on one of the education classes that we had to, you know, participate in. They had a panel of birth moms, Oh, which was really cool. You know, these, it was three different birth moms. They talked about why they chose this organization over other organizations. They talked about why they chose to adopt. They talked about why they chose the different families that they chose, like what resonated with them. You know, they also had a panel of adoptive parents, you know, their experience with the agency, why they picked this agency, um, how they were selected, what their experience was. So that was really, really interesting. And so as I mentioned, we probably got certified to adopt maybe October-ish of 2021. And then come March of 2022, and we were on a wait list. We were, you know, the nice thing about this organization, and again, every agency is different, is um, they only take about 10 families at a time. So we were one of 10 families as opposed to one of thousands of families. That's great. Um, so it, it's good and bad. You know, the larger agencies have access to a lot more um, babies, if you will, um, children that need to be adopted. And this organization was just on a much, much smaller scale, but it worked to our advantage. So, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, Catholic Charities is a little bit particular on who they pick as well, um, what their, you know, qualifications are. It's the Catholic Church. So while you don't need to be Catholic, um, you do have to be a heterosexual married couple. Mm -hmm. You have to be married for at least three years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there has to be some sort of issue of infertility or some other problems that you you can't have children of your, you know, biological children. And um, if you have two children or more, they won't adopt you because they want everyone to have an opportunity to have a child and adopt. Mm -hmm. So those are their rules. That's not necessarily the same for the other organizations, you Mm -hmm. know, that are out there. But for us, it worked to our advantage. So we went with them. 
Um, and then, you know, I think we were like number eight or number nine actually on the wait list. But if the birth mother and or birth father or birth parents um, want to be involved in selecting the family, you know, if, if they happen to look at your profile and you're a match, you know, you'll be presented to them and they can select the family. So come March of 2022, long story short, you know, birth mom reached out to this agency. She had adopted to them one time before, actually six years prior. Wow. Um, she reached out to them when she was 39 weeks pregnant. Like she's been carrying this whole time. Like, I know I'm going to reach out to them and they're, they've got me, but waiting that long, yeah. it's... And she had no prenatal care. Zero. The only reason why she actually reached out when she did was because she went into false labor. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to figure this out, you know? Wow. And the birth dad was involved as well, um, which was really interesting because we were told nine times out of 10, the birth dad is not involved, but in our situation, he was. And, you know, they were wonderful people. They were younger people, you know, not bad people. They just had made some poor choices in life. That was all. And they just couldn't seem to get back on track. Mm. So they knew they couldn't care for this baby. And they just wanted to find a really good home. Do you think she kept thinking? I'm going to cry. But do you think she kept thinking maybe like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this? And then she was like, we You know, truthfully, I don't know what they were thinking because at the time, you know, they didn't even have a place to live. They were couch surfing with friends. They had no vehicle. You know, she had no prenatal care. They had no jobs, you know, so I don't know. You know, I really don't know. Um, It's tough to say. But we met them and we really liked them. They were good people, just some bad choices mm-hmm. that that led them to these circumstances, mm-hmm. you know? And we will obviously always be forever grateful for them because they gave us a gift that we could never repay them for, you know? Um, so they chose us, um, um, and I think we were presented, we were like one of five or six families that was presented to them, and there was just something about us that resonated with them. And we pretty much had four days notice. We had nothing in the house. I had baby wipes because we have dogs (laughs) and we use baby wipes on the dogs. When they adopted, they, it was like, they, it was like a week or something that they got notice. Right. And it's like, because when you come from the uh, IVF world and you haven't had success, it's really hard to just stare at a nursery. Mm -hmm. So we never had turned our guest room into a nursery. Mm -hmm. We just left it as a guest room. Which I think is smart, honestly. You know, it was too painful. Oh. It was too hard. It was too painful. So we just left it as is, and we met with the birth parents on a Thursday. She was actually due that Saturday. Um, You know, the meeting with them went well. While certainly awkward, don't get me wrong, it's like an interview, um, it still went well, and then it was just sort of, okay, well, now we just wait for her to deliver which she delivered the following Monday. And so in that like four or five day time frame, we had to get diapers and a bassinet and anything we could possibly get. And 
two brand new parents that had no experience with baby babies. You know, we had nieces and nephews and all that, but you know, they're teens. I always say that, and I do really believe this, I think dogs are one of the best training grounds for being a parent. I really do. Like, I... I, I mean that because they're, you know, it's, yeah. it, anyway, they're, they're not, I mean, kids are harder, obviously, but they are a really, you know, you, you have to make sure they get fed. You have right. to make sure they go out and potty. You have to train them. You have to give them, you know, boundaries. Like it's, it's yeah. very similar. And we had three dogs of our own and we were fostering a fourth okay. at the time. <laughs> For one of the rescues we're affiliated. So you had a lot of training. So we had a lot of training going on. (laughs) So, anyways, it was just quite it was quite a whirlwind. I mean, and and our daughter was, you know, she was born in northern Arizona. She was in Flagstaff, you know. We took her home 26 hours after she was born. Wow. And of course, it you know, that day it was raining and snowing and you know, we spent time with the birth parents in the hospital. By the way, it rains and snows in Arizona for all you <laughs> Russian listeners who think this is just the desert. Yes, all it you does. Russian bots, all you hackers out there in Tanzania. So we see you. Yeah, there was a whole other level of emotions because you know we met them at the hospital. The birth parents wanted to spend some time with us. Um, you know, after the birth mom had delivered the following day, and. You know, this was um, the birth dad's first child, and he was grieving. Mm. He was very upset and and grieving, and that's just not something, you know, you just can just never prepare for, you know. So that was really, really hard for me especially because I'm a very emotional person, and I even said to my husband, I said, we, we can't do this. And he pretty much said, Brooke, you know, we're – we're not stealing their baby. They they chose us to care for this child. You know, they picked us. We're going to give her the best life she can possibly have. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's going to be okay, you know. And I was a wreck. Um, but thankfully, we got through that. <laughs> and then later on in the day, you know, we finally got to drive home after we spent several hours with them. Um, birth mom was discharged. She was healthy. She was good to go. And, you know, we had no idea how to feed a baby, change a diaper, nothing. So the nurses went through that with us. And they were wonderful. This was at Flagstaff Medical Center. They were phenomenal. Some of the nicest, most compassionate nurses we've ever met. Wow. And, you know, we drove home in the rain and the sleet. And honest to God, you would have thought we were driving home with a nuclear bomb. We had, we, I don't think we've ever gone this speed limit on the freeway our entire lives. Oh. I think we went under the speed limit. I can admit, well, and I know, I know that drive from Flagstaff down to Phoenix. Yes. It is windy and mountainous it's, and scary. Yes. And I was freaking out when I took my boys home from Scottsdale and Shea. From, you know, it's Banner now, right? Or is it Banner now? I think it is, yes. Anyway, but when I went from that hospital to here, I you would have thought right. I was like, and that was, you know, a 20-minute drive or whatever. Yeah. I honestly think part of the newborn package should be the baby on board yellow sticker. Yes. Like, oh I, I, like I I was like, we need one of those because I'm like, this person's driving like a jackass. Like, you know, I've Did got Did you drive baby. in the back seat? 
I sat in the back seat. My yep. husband drove, and yep. I sat in the back seat with her. Which is so funny. Yeah. I, yes. And I mean, she pretty much just slept the whole time. I mean, she's 26 hours old, you know, yes. 27 hours old. But, you know, it just was still so surreal. And, of course, I had to have multiple meltdowns on the way home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I was just an emotional basket case, you know. And I'm like, what have we done? I don't know what to do. What do I do with this little human? You oh, know? I know. And my husband's like, I just fucking need you to calm down. I'm trying to drive. Like, <laughs> it's snowing. It's leading out. Stop it. We're going through a mountain pass. So it was, um, it's a crazy story. It's a really crazy story. And, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with, I'll try to wrap this up. I know it's been a really long session and I apologize. No, yeah. don't apologize. Yeah. I'm so glad you walked us yeah. through everything. I'll try, to, I'll try to wrap this up. But when I mentioned, and I don't know if anybody caught on to this, but when I mentioned that this birth, same birth mom had adopted out to this agency six years prior. So he, here's the kicker too. So when we were going through the process to get certified to adopt, you know, and I mentioned there was a panel of birth moms and a panel of adoptive families. So one of the couples we met um, going through this process was an adoptive family. And this couple was just, you know, they had a really similar story to us. Um, you know, they were they were a little bit younger than us, but for the most part, similar in age. And, you know, they, um, same thing, this, this, this gal came from the IVF world too. Um, she was not successful as well. She had several miscarriages, unfortunately. I never got to that point, but that was her story. Mm. And they were just wonderful. They were, they were very similar to us, you know, and their story really just resonated with ours. So after, after this panel, um, you know, she had mentioned, you know, hey, you know, the agency has my contact information. If you have questions or you just want to chat, reach out to them. They can provide you with my information. So this was the first time I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I did. I reached out to her. Um, we went to a super long brunch. You know, mm. I expected it to be like an hour. It lasted four or five hours. We just talked about our stories and... We had just gone through very similar things, uh, and she was wonderful, um, and I just felt so connected to her. Anyways, we stayed friends throughout the whole process. She kind of mentored me through the rest of the process. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really, really incredible. It was such a blessing. And long story short, her daughter is my daughter's half-sister. So it's in, the same birth mother. Is that crazy? That's a God wink. That is a God wink moment. Because That's when insane. the opportunity came up with my daughter and the agency called me, she was the first person I called. And I said, um, her name's Tiffany. And I said, Tiffany, we just got a call from Catholic Charities. They call them opportunities when, when babies come up. And, um, and I said, here, here's the situation. And again, it was, it was a similar situation. Um, and I said, you know, what's your experience with this? And she pretty much, and this was via text message. We were exchanging text messages. And she said, can I call you? And I said, well, of course, you know. So she called me immediately and the first thing she says to me, she says, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. And she says, Brooke, she says, this is Harper's birth mom. 
her daughter's birth mom. And I, I and was then were so you like, confused. well, now we can't name the baby Harper. I was so <laughs> confused and I'm crying. because the agency called them first because the birth mom had said, is there any way you can reach out to sure, the that... couple that adopted my oldest daughter <sighs> six years ago and see if they might be interested in adopting this child as well? Wow. And at that point... But now it's kind of best of both worlds. Yes. That they So the two girls oh will God. grow up together. Oh, my they God. They are half-sisters. Is that so amazing? And it's um, it's wonderful. Oh. It's just wonderful. I mean, they, they obviously come over. Um, her daughter, Tiffany's daughter, knows that she's adopted. I'm not sure how much she understands yet. She just turned seven now. Um, but... You know, she knows she's adopted. She knows this other baby that we have came, they came from the same tummy. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's just really sweet. It's, wow. it's really amazing. I mean, cause what are the odds that, you know, what are the, and so if nothing else, the two girls, you know, will always grow up, you know, whether they choose to have a relationship, that's up to them. You know, we're encouraging it. Of oh, course. they probably will. Absolutely. But I have so many friends who are adopted mm-hmm. and go on Twenty Three and Me later on yeah. to find, you know, their adopted siblings. And it's it because when you know back in the seventies when we like no there weren't open adoptions. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like you have the baby, don't talk about it. Take the baby. Yeah, you know, raise the baby, and then now with you know, technology and genealogy the way it right, is and right. DNA. Right. You can, you can connect and it's, um, so, and I see the, um, there've been some misses, but for the most part, my friends who've gotten in touch with their siblings, it just gives them a sense of like kind of closure almost. Right. Like I know they're, you know, I, or even if it's not a good outcome, it's still closure. Like I know, a little bit about me. I have a place, but like that, there's not a hole or a question mark in that, you know, like DNA relationship question. And now it's so great because Joan Pasquale, same way with their kids, their friends. There's a lesbian couple who adopted mm-hmm. um, one some sibling, and so they have relationships right. with the and they, they don't see them all the time because they're back in Chicago. But um, but it's I think that's so much better from the get go, right? For that right. child to have a, that sense and yes. not that question mark, but to have yes. a, a, a sense. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's incredible. It's an incredible story. When So I met Brooke for Happy Hour, like the fall, and she was. we were talking about, we were getting caught up, and I was like, you have to come. I'm like, no, you don't have to, but will you come on our podcast? <laughs> I'm like, you have to tell your story because it's so amazing to me. It is. It's, it's really, I mean... It's so, yeah, when you think about it, like really, what are the chances of that? It's just, it's incredible. So, and again, going back to like the things that are the hardest or the worst or the least expected can end up being the most beautiful parts of your life. Right. um, Right. In the end. Right. And so if you are having trouble getting pregnant Mm -hmm. and you are angry or you're sad about it, it is normal. That doesn't mean you have to adopt. It doesn't mean you have to go through IVF. But if you do, there are a lot of other people out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of avenues you can take. And creating a family is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I can tell you, you know, 
I never in a million years would have thought that the way that my husband and I would be expanding our family is through adoption. And now I can't imagine it any other way, Mm. you know? So it is interesting, you know, the different, you know, the different paths that life takes you and what you experience, what makes you stronger, you know, um, just what happens and, and everybody's dealt a different, a different hand. Mm -hmm. So, and you got, you just have to play the hand that you're dealt, you know? And And um, the way you play it is the right way to play it for you. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank I am thank so appreciative. Yeah, thank you. Pat's been talking about you forever, and I'm like, and we've had all these scheduling issues. So it's so amazing to and the story, like, so, what I mean. That, I do hope it helps other people because you know I've been pretty reluctant to talk about it, um, and not so much that you know I don't want to help other people or share my story, but more so it's just reliving it over and over and over again but if it can help even just one person I mean it's worth it to me absolutely and that's what we're all about and that's what you know and I I think as human beings that's our that's our highest calling right is to life is hard life is not easy life is also beautiful and amazing but it's about if you can just help one person or elevate one person or make one person feel better about a decision sure. and not feel shame or or be afraid or if you can help one person out of a, a space that feels overwhelming or uncomfortable to them like that is that's what being a good human being is about well and i think that's why it's really important that cat talked about her loss too Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't, when I woke up this morning, that wasn't part of the plan, (laughs) but I'm glad we did get to talk about it because it's, you know, you experience all those emotions regardless of what stage and having a baby in your life is, you know, just everybody has their emotions. And it's not linear. No. No. It is not linear. Mm -mm. And it's not always easy, but it, it, there's beauty in it. There's beauty and there's value. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we do this. That is why we it's do it. Fun. It's fun. All right. So fun. no, the, let's end on this. Note. Okay. Let's end on this note. And and I know our glasses are empty, but let's press let's and hold go. for Rick. So we love cheers. You. Cheers. cheers. Press and, and press and hold. Have a great week, everyone.